This morning, I thought it'd be good to just recap because have you noticed over the past two weeks that when I get excited about some things, I can speak fast. Do you know? Did you know that? And and sometimes people are trying to do the the catch up thing. So I thought I'd pause and slow down for a little moment and just do some recapping before I launch into the third week of this idea of hidden agendas. So the first thing I want to say is two weeks ago we talked about generosity and we just said it's something we don't love talking about publicly here because if you're a new person and you're checking out Jesus, you come into a gathering like this and you go, oh, they're hitting me up for money again. That's what those Jesus people do. Um, So that's why I kind of keep it down low. But then other people say to me, no, no, you need to tell us what's happening. And so um, we said 48,300 was going to be our monthly budget um, to keep everything running here. In fact, we introduced Mark last week and surprisingly, he came back a second time. Isn't that great? We're paying him for that, but he came back. So welcome, Mark. And then, um, so, but our first month in January was 41.9. And so I had this idea, I was putting petrol into the car and uh, I said, you know what? What we need is literally 40 people to just give $40 a week and we can make up that, that difference. 40 people, $40. So I had this little saying in my head, one uh, tank of petrol for my car, half a tank of petrol for NCR. <laughs> and that's cheesy, I know, but I thought you might remember it. So if you're a young or old person around here following Jesus, one of the things that we buy into one of our values is generosity. That's in part why we do our Engage Sundays because uh, we actually are just generous, no strings attached in that. And so generosity helps us run and, and be alive here. And so over the next six months, we've given it six months as a leadership, is uh, that we want to be making 48.3 or else we have to come back and have more of a conversation. That makes sense? So one tank of petrol, half a tank for N- NCR. And so if you'd like some more details, you can get one of those on the way out or write it on the white card right now, um, buy me in, or no, that's probably, no, that's to just say count me in. Yeah. No, no. Uh, the conversations we have uh, with our, if you have a, a, another half on the way home is really interesting though. I was listening to one couple explain, they said, when you first said that we were driving home and the wife turned to the husband and said, hmm, I know how we could do the half a tank. And he kind of went, how? And we need to stop eating McDonald's. (laughs) So for them, it was no McDonald's, and they can be part of that, contributing to it. So far this month, we've had 36.80, which is fantastic. I'd love this month of February to be the one we go beyond that and say it just is an expression of buying into. And if you wonder if we've bought into, um, I've taken a 5% pay cut. Steve Prescott has taken a 5% pay cut. My wife was going to go on to three days, is remaining at two. Why? Because we believe in this community so much and what God's doing in and through it. It's something we don't want to ask anyone else to do if we're not doing it ourselves. And so if you'd like to practice generosity and contribute to the life of the community in a way that says we're on board, or even if you're new and you go, I don't even know what that looks like, but I'd like to because it sounds really interesting, then, then find out some more details from that. Enough said about this. I'm going to show you this picture. It's a Santa Fe car. Anyone here got a Santa Fe? Great. Um, Anyone else here got a Santa Fe that should be here that's not here? Because the reason I have this picture up is because this week, um, Justine Brooks gave birth to her child, uh, Lila, in a Santa Fe car. Are you here, Justine and Cam? No, they were going to try to be here this week. So you can put your hands together for them particularly for Justine. 
their first child they had at home. Their second child they had in the front seat of the Santa Fe. No, she was not driving, even though women can multitask. <laughs> he pulled over, just happened too quick, gave birth right there, and then uh, called the midwife, and the midwife said, could you please call the ambulance before you call me? And so that's that. We want to welcome Lila in when she comes. And I believe that Dan and Amy, the William, that I hadn't said hello to publicly too. And so welcome to William as well. That was before Christmas. Did you give birth in the Santa Fe? Where was yours? Our hospital. Very good. Who knows what? If they have a third one, who knows where that will be born? However, everyone is doing well. The last thing I want to say is that people have been asking, Troy, we've kind of shifted a little bit in in our focus this first term. And, And I want to explain why. It's because if you're new here or if you've been here for a long time, Uh, Over 15 years, I haven't taken the opportunity to lay the foundation again of what NCR, New Community Ringwood, does and is about. In fact, we do that often in our heart of New Community uh, weekend seminar, the Saturday that we do. So what I'm wanting to do is lay a foundation again of why do we do Engage? Why do we bother um, getting silkworms for uh, people who live in in Laos? Uh, Why do we do our community meals because there's a foundation of an expression of white, and I think it's an opportunity for us. So if you were to invite someone along, you could say, come and discover what following Jesus is really all about, his real message. In fact, if you're here, I'd invite you to stick in there for the whole time. In fact, if you're new or if you've been here for some time, stick in. In fact, over the 10 weeks, this first term, if you come along, we have this thing called partnership. Um, it's it's a, a list of values and expressions in a covenant that we say, if you buy into this, then you might partner with us as a community. If you couldn't make the Saturday heart of new community, then if you come along to the Sundays or listen to it on podcast, then at the end of it, I'll say, have you bought into this? If this is where you want to be heading, then maybe you consider partnering with us as well. And so that's why we have these little booklets here. So you can do some writing. If you're discovering this message of Jesus, you might want to read the, the, the good news account of Matthew or there's some reading resources in the foyer that you can take with you if you're a reader to dig deeper. I'm going to try a blog this week. I don't know what a blog is, but I'm going to try and do one to converse with people because this stuff is really good and foundational. And I hope that you'll be gaining something and growing something from it such that in the next part of the year, because this is our plus one year, that is what we want to be doing is not keeping the good news message of Jesus just to ourselves. We want to be, I want to think it's worth giving away. And so to focus on... Um, January to April, this idea of include, that's what the engage is about, include someone. And if someone asks you, why are you doing this? Aren't you a Jesus person? Should be at some church thing? You go, well, actually, our church believes in relationships. Our church believes in serving. Our church believes that that's fundamental to human life. And so I'm just happy to serve, to give, to spend time, to bake for you so that we can enjoy time together. And then uh, in, in May, this idea of bring your work close because we want to talk about how does the Jesus message fit with my work in everyday life. And then for the rest of the year, we will click back into this idea of having targeted topics that you could say, you could bring someone along to because Jesus relates to life. How to make life work better. And that's where we're going to be going. Make sense? So a few weeks ago, we, we, we covered this idea of God... Um, he, he made people, human beings, kings and queens, if you like. Uh, this idea of in a garden and God being present and close, not far away. And he gave people uh, this, this job to do. Continue to order the world the way I've designed it. Bring my wise, good order to it. 
If you do that, you'll sense of, have a sense of fulfilment and partnering with me. In fact, he made human beings reflect his image. That is, he gave them a job to do. Uh, this is at the heart of why when I look at someone, I don't see necessarily the colour, race, creed, age, anything. I see the first thing I see is someone who has been made in the image of God and therefore they have profound worth and value. Secondly, it is the, the picture that we had is of the, the wise order turned to disorder when those first human beings said, God, we want to do things our way, get out of our life. And so, like a gentleman, he did, but there were consequences. And so, if you look around at the world today, you'll find that there is disorder as well as order, both of those things. What's God going to do? Is he going to discard it? No, he says he wants to remake it. And human beings to partner with him and come alive fully human. Um, he, he doesn't want to trash the world. He wants to treasure it and renew it. And so there's this message of an upside-down kingdom, different to the rest of the world and the way in which it operates, that Jesus brought this idea that he wants to set us free from that disease that darkens our hearts and distorts our thinking about who God is, that disease called sin. And he wants to infuse us with a new power to, that we might become more fully human, that we might think and have the heart of God in us. And so, if you like, he renewed us so that we would be renewers. And that's in part what the Engage is about. Generosity to other countries. Generosity in our community. It's partnering with God and bringing. In fact, where we covered it last week, at my summary paraphrase of a passage in Mark, all the preliminaries have been taken care of and God is on the move. So put all your distractions and preoccupations aside and get on board this great renewal train because I tell you, it will not stop until God, my Father's power, powerful presence has transformed the entire cosmos just like the waters cover the sea. And that, I believe, is good news worth sharing. So hang in there. Over the next course of this time, we're going to put the pieces and link them together. Yeah, that's all right. Okay, someone smile at me and say, you're kind of with me and they haven't gone too fast and all that. All right, here's where we're going today. Hidden agendas, a walk in the wilderness, and a feeling that I think is common to us all. I'm going to call it the squeeze. Hidden agendas, a walk in the wilderness, and a feeling that's common to us all. I'm going to call it the squeeze. Hidden agenda. Have you ever been caught up in someone else's hidden agenda and you didn't know it? Anyone here? Rod, come up here. Rod had a, a fabulous hidden agenda, and uh, he's going to quickly relay it to us. Someone else's agenda you got caught up. Where were you, Rod? I was in Arizona in the US. In the Arizona, US. How long ago? Uh, five years, maybe. Five years ago. All right. And you were looking for a hotel to stay in. Correct. Got lost. Where did you go looking? We went to a tourist information centre that, you know, where you go to get advice. Fantastic. Mm. And they said there's some hotels you can look at. That's right. And um, if you go and have a look, oh, what else, what else are you doing here? And we said just looking around. They said, would you like a helicopter ride or a four-wheel drive trip? Sounds pretty good. So you went for the which part? The helicopter or well, the four-wheel drive? Well, the helicopter ride. A helicopter ride. Okay, so you went looking for a hotel yes. and they're going to just throw in a helicopter ride. Fantastic. Yeah, if we go and have a look at their stuff. So. Their stuff. So where did you go to look at their stuff? Well, it was probably 20 minutes out of town. We get there. It's this beautiful palatial mansion and you know that expression, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. It was. It was. Okay, it was. so what happened? You arrived, they welcomed you in the doors, and then they proceeded to Well, walk. the doors sort of opened as we got there, and the carpet was there, and it was 47 degrees outside and about 20 degrees inside with chilled water and beautiful couches, and it turned out to be a 
a timeshare cell. Okay. <laughs> so there you were thinking you were going to a hotel yep. because you were lost yep. and you're getting the other yep. one. Yep. And how many hours did you sit through the timeshare presentation? Well, the longer we sat there, the more determined uh, we were to not miss out on the helicopter ride. Okay. So it was about four hours, four hours. of sales pitch. And um, you kept saying... Um, well, they said, don't you like five stars? And I said, no, I prefer a thousand stars, you know, camping. and Good thing an outdoors person. Outdoor, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, they started with the junior salesperson and they progressed, you know. Eventually we got the CEO of the company, I think, trying to sell us timeshares. At the end of it all, did you get your helicopter ride? There was no way we were leaving without it. <laughs> so we, we got the helicopter ride. Your 15 minutes of joy. Yes, and we ended up in like a backpackers because we weren't staying there. <laughs> well done. Put your hands together for a ride. Has anyone else ever experienced the hidden agenda? Someone else has got an agenda for you, you had no idea. In fact, that's what the story of the Joneses is all about, is that they had this selling procedure that they were a fake family in a fake house with fake clothes, and it was a sales pitch. Have you ever discovered that you thought you were in control? Someone else had an agenda for you. You might be here this morning and you're thinking, first time here, why are these people nice to me? What's the hidden agenda? <laughs> why, why are they smiling? Why do they seem happy? What's the hidden agenda? Well, I want you to know, just front up, there's no hidden agenda apart from this. I'd love for you to discover who Jesus is because I reckon he brings you alive and that if you discover his, his life and what he's on about, I think it will add value to yours. In fact, it will be like you're coming alive. And then if you want to identify with him in baptism and if you want to then partner with him in kind of being part of his renewal project for the world, then that's the only agenda I have for you. But apart from that, if you just like to hang out with this and never believe the things that, that I believe, you're still welcome to be part of this community, hidden agendas. Jesus was surrounded by hidden agendas. In fact, he had lots of agendas that he was wondering whose should he follow if he is God's son, this Messiah, this person coming to renew the entire world. There was time at the very beginning of his ministry, of his life, he went out into the wilderness in an isolated place. He had been baptised, plunged by his cousin John under the water. He came up, experienced the power of God in his life and he went out into solitude to try and work out whose agenda should he be pandering to. Have you ever had an experience, the demands of life such that you just need to find time away to just focus and to reflect? That's what Jesus was doing. In fact, he had many agendas that were pulling and pushing him in all different directions and would continue to do that. If you like, there was firstly this group called the Pharisees. They were a self-appointed, kind of like political sort of pressure group that was so outraged that the world was being Romanized and Greek ideas and culture were coming in that what they would do is they would, if you like, try and purify the people of God, Israel. And so they would wash their hands and they would wash cups and jars and they would try and keep Sabbath days holy and make all these rules around them. In a way, if you like, as being a resistance group, we are not going to be like Rome. We are going to be like ourselves. It was like a pressure group on everyone else. In fact, some of them were so um, nationalistic in their zeal and so hated anyone that wasn't part of that Israel group, that, that God's people group, that they would sometimes take up armed force and might to actually get their agenda across. And the Pharisees uh, and, and their wide schools that they had, some of them said, let's live and let live. And the others went, no, 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 we actually have to achieve our goal and actually 
purify and push out everyone else. That was the Pharisees. They weren't trying to earn their way to God. They were being extremely devoted and expressing their devotion to him. Then, of course, there was the Sadducees. They were the, the political aristocracy, if you like. They lived in Jerusalem. They were like the kings and queens, the chief priests, in fact. Indeed, Rome had actually picked all the different chief priests so they could control the people, and so they were pretty much seen as being corrupt. Um, there was the zealots, if anyone's seen the film Masada. There was the, um, the idea, not Moussaka, like the, the Greek dish, but Masada. Um, then you actually have this idea that they were trying to achieve and accomplish their ideologies through armed might and rebel groups. So like the guerrilla group in, in that area. And then, of course, there was the Herodians. They loved the idea of King Herod being the, and his progeny going on and ruling all of the land. And so they were batting for the king and his kids to come back into rule and then of course there was the Romans they had legions in sorry uh, they had soldiers in Caesarea soldiers in Jerusalem legions in Syria and Pilate was the representative of the king that is Caesar in Israel and then of course there was the people everyone else caught up in all of these mixed agendas they were just trying to scratch out a life for themselves eke it out What was Jesus to do and be? If he was to be God's son, a king, a messiah, what kind of kingdom would he bring? What kind of king would he have? What kind of king would he be? And out there in the wilderness, take a walk with me now into the wilderness. Out in the wilderness, in the isolation after 40 days, just like the ancient people wandered for 40 years, he starts to hear a whisper in his ear. And the whisper goes something like this. If you really are God's son, it's been 40 days of fasting out here, you must be awfully hungry. Why don't you tell these stones to become bread? (coughs) Out there in the wilderness, you started to hear the whispers that you and I sometimes hear. You've just been given that promotion. (laughs) You've just been made the chairperson of the junior school council. (laughs) You, You have just become... Uh, the leader of the local netball club, (laughs) all kinds of power (laughs) can actually come through your head at that time. You know what I mean, don't you? (laughs) And so there's a whisper from the evil one, the devil himself, that whispers to Jesus, you could use your power to just satisfy yourself. Some of you will say, oh, surely, Troy, you don't believe in the devil in the 21st century. (laughs) Well, I'd say to them, Don't you read the newspapers? (laughs) Seems to me his fingerprints are everywhere. And so Jesus looks at this and he he responds to that voice in his head. The Bible says it takes more than bread to keep you alive. You actually live on every word that comes out of God's mouth. I, I, I will not go down that path because I know where it heads. And then a little bit later, he says that in his mind's eye, if you like, he gets taken uh, in his imagination to the very top pinnacle in the, the, the temple itself in Jerusalem. And there's a little whisper that comes in his head. Uh, if you really are God's son, that is the Messiah, the king of Israel, throw yourself down. Because the Bible does say, after all, that God will give his angels a command about you and they will carry you in their hands so that you won't hurt your foot again on any stone. So there's this whisper in his head. 
You know what? You could use your power. If you walk down to Jerusalem and climb up to the top pinnacle, you could throw yourself off. And if, if God really is your father, he'll catch you. And everyone will be so wowed by that. Everyone who sees you will be go, my goodness, you are the one. And they will follow you. You will be famous. You will be known throughout. The fame of who you are will be spread throughout the land. That's how you could do your kingdom bidding. That's how you could become king. And Jesus, hearing this whisper, he replies, but the Bible also says you mustn't put the Lord your God to the test. I won't do that. No. No, I won't do what you want me to do. I won't do sometimes what I'm thinking I might want to do. I'll do what I see him doing. And then in his mind's eye, he's cast to a a scope where he sees all of the kingdoms of the world and all of the peoples of the world and all of the riches and the wealth of the world. And he's sitting and he sees this landscape of power, raw power. And, and, and the voice comes to him again and it whispers this, I'll give you the whole lot. If you join with me, Jesus, the two of us together, if you fall down and worship me, the two of us, we could take over the world. We could command the armies of the world and we would defeat them and destroy them by sheer brutality and power. And the two of us could reign and have it all. You could rule the local netball club. You could be the boss of your work. You could lead all of the students on campus and you could have it all. There's this whisper. It seemed like it was somewhere back in a garden somewhere. (laughs) A similar whisper. Don't trust God. You could just become like him. And Jesus, seeing it for what it is, he calls it out and he says, get out of it, Satan. The Bible says, you should worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. I will not do that because that's the way of all the other kings and queens. That's the way of all the other humans. That's the way everyone else has gone before. And it leads to corruption and distortion and darkness. And there is no end if you pick up and follow down that path to where people will head if it's left unchecked. You see, Jesus understood in the wilderness something profound about humanity. And it goes like this. We were made to worship. But even more so, this truism, we become what we worship. If you do not worship the living God and be remade in his image, you will end up human beings. We end up worshipping something or someone else and we are recast in that own image. It's true. So if the pursuit of your life is to accumulate money and be wealthy, sooner or later you will begin to see other people in terms of monetary value. You will rank everyone in your office, in your school, in your netball club, according to their wealth. You will even say they're a rich person, they're a poor person. They've got a beautiful house, they've got a pretty just average one. And mentally you will start to do that, it's true. This is a human truth. If, if, you wanna, uh, if your goal in life is to have the most wonderful sexual encounters and experiences, that is, if you make sex your God, which the West 
and our material world has done this to reckless abandon. We are trying to squeeze out every ounce of meaning and value in all the material stuff we have around us. It is so true. Just ask anyone who's involved in the sex trade in any other land that is a slave of that, and they will tell you we have people flooding to us because they have made sex their God. If you do that, if that is the chief end of your life, you'll start to look at people and objectify them according to how pretty they are in your sight or not. It's true. Or if, if you like last week, the idea of kings and queens, what kind of king? If you want to have like Idi Amin, raw power by force and brutality, who killed hundreds of thousands of people in his regime, if that's what you want, just power and status, then, then you will begin to identify people and rank them on a ladder when you walk around the world uh, according to what status and what fame and what power you think they have. Jesus understood this truth, that we become what we worship. And he knew if he picked up and went with those things, with his power, there's no end to the kind of kingdom that would be brought here on earth. But Jesus is not about a right-side-up world kingdom. He's on a upside-down, put-to-right our worldly kingdoms. That's what he is on about. Who would have ever thought that these words of Jesus would be so true in our world? If anyone wishes or anyone wants to come after me, Jesus says, the way I'm going, you must say no to your own selves. Pick up your cross and follow me. Yes, if you want to save your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life because of me and the message about the good news of God's life and his kingdom, you'll save it. After all, what use is it to win the world and lose your life? What can you give in exchange for your soul? If you're ashamed of me and my words in this cheating and sinning generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of you when he comes in the glory of his Father and his holy angels. You see, Jesus was looking at this and going, if you want to go down the way of all the other kings and queens, then you'll get where you're going and what you're focusing on. But at the end of the day, I could take a sword and defeat all the armies of the world and I could encourage you to do the same. But Rome will come and they'll defeat you and you'll lose your life. But more so, if you go chasing the dollar, if it's about satisfying yourself, if it's about status and position, then sooner or later you might accomplish those things, but you'll be made in its very own image and you'll end up missing out on the life that God made you for. In fact, Jesus discovered the powerful word no. Who would have thought that by learning to say no to our wanters, we might discover life? Someone who's pursued the bucks and the, someone who's pursued the sexual encounters, someone who's pursued the position and the status, they might tell you, I got that, but are you really in control? Or are you just enslaved to your appetites? I'm not saying here for a moment that, that you, for any reason you should stop being ambitious and be the best person you can be. If God's planted you and made you to flourish as a tree, then be a CEO of a company. If God's made you to flourish as a wonderful bush with colour, then go ahead and, and actually work in, in an industry or work in the local community to flourish in good. If God's made you a small shrub, then flourish in that place. But understand this, those same whispering voices will be there no matter who you are and no matter where you go because that's part of our humanity. Am I making sense? Going too fast? Got a little bit of time left. So I want to talk about 
the squeeze, the feelings. I caught up with a guy this week for breakfast. And he said to me, Troy, I don't want to talk about the weather and I don't want to talk about footy. I want to talk about the stuff that's actually affecting me in my life. So there's hardly a week that doesn't go by where I'm not thinking to myself, I should have worked harder, I should have saved more, and I'm missing out on other stuff. I mean, I'm bombarded with it every day. I go to work and I'm thinking, I haven't saved up enough for my retirement, and I'm reminded all the time that I don't have enough. So we're, we're gripped with anxiety and fear, aren't we? <laughs> he said, once more, I feel like I, I need to keep working those extra days, so I need to make up because everyone else has got stuff, and we're told we need to have more stuff. And, and so I, I live with this anxiety regularly, routinely, and I want to talk about that. And when I was sitting there listening to him, I, I just felt the squeeze. I thought, yeah. Don't we feel that all the time? Is it just me and him? Or do we feel the squeeze all the time? He says, I want to talk about that stuff. How do I follow and be a Jesus person when we're being squeezed all the time, being told that we should fear our retirement because we haven't got enough or that we're chasing the next thing because someone else has got a better this or a better, I need to upgrade. You know, we live in a world of upgrades, don't we? We want to upgrade everything. Uh, I'm tired of my wife, I want to upgrade. Not really, I'm just, I'm just that's an example. Uh, I'm, I'm tired of the car, I've got to need an upgrade. I'm tired of the house, I've got to need an upgrade. I'm tired of the McDonald's, I've got to need an upgrade. You know, don't we feel the squeeze all the time? Jesus understood this. So he said these words. It's a matter of the heart in following him. He says this, don't store up for yourself treasure in heaven. Sorry, treasure on earth. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. What does he mean by that? Sometimes you're getting gold and you're depositing in this other space and realm. No, he's saying, what I want you to do is live with God's intent and his kingdom living at the forefront of your mind. And you'll be set free. You will not be enslaved. Nobody can serve two masters. He's talking about money and, and all the stuff it brings with it and then trusting Jesus and living his life. For where your treasure is, there will be heart also. Jesus understood this and he said, you know, when you feel the squeeze, I want you to just step back for a moment. And I want you to assess your heart and the voices that are whispering in your head to get, if you like, your heart sorted out. And he says, you can't have both. I know we're in a world that says both and. We're in that, not the old modernity, we're postmodern. We want both. But he says, no, you can't have both in those terms. Where's your heart? Just asking. And then he says this, it's a matter of firsts. Instead, make your top priority God's kingdom and his way of life, which we'll unpack more next week. And all these other things will be given to you. No, not the Lamborghini. No, uh, not the, the cruise ship that's not like the one that turned into hell, um, the one that you can just sail on forever, forever and have a good fun time if you heard about the cruise ship this week. No, no. He'll supply the needs. But you need to have firsts, firstly, organized for yourself. Cindy and the crew are going to come up in a moment. I've been talking for a little bit, haven't I? Have I been going slower? Because I think it comes down to a matter of the heart. 
and a matter of firsts. And so I'm wondering, if I gave you some time to reflect, if you wrote some things down in your booklets, if you had some space now for you to meet with God, I wonder, I wonder what he might say to you. I wonder what God's agenda might be for you. You might think, well, God, he's come to rob me and and he's not good and he's not... And I just want to say I don't believe that to be true. I believe that to be whispers of another voice. And so the idea, I want to ask you these questions. Whose kingdom are you building towards? Whose kingdom? Do you have a God-shaped agenda for your life and your work and your school? The place to start is by just, here I am, I'm available, lead me. That's where it starts. Or this idea, are you ready to enter his kingdom? Which is just by saying, God, I give you my heart. It's a matter of the heart. Or lastly, you may not have even given any consideration so far to who is your plus one. And now is the time. And God will drop someone or some people into your mind. It may not be the first go. It's probably someone else that he actually wants you to actually go and reach out to because it means so much more to them than just catching up with a friend just for friend's sake, although that's good. But it's someone else that you might pause for a moment as we think about that. So in a moment as these guys play, Sal, can I get you to pass that bucket to me? As they play and as we listen, I'm going to invite you to respond and to act. You see, Jesus said, if you build your life on me, I'll be like building on a rock. And so as you hear the music and as they sing, if you would like to say, I actually want to do a God-shaped agenda. I want to actually do a God-shaped focus. Why don't you just get up out of your chair and there's some rocks over there and there and there and there. You might just want to get up and and grab one and go back to your seat and say, this week I'm going to build my life on him and I'm going to ask, what is the agenda, God, you have for me? There's some here. Or maybe at those stations, you're in a wilderness experience right now and you need someone to pray for you. You're struggling with temptation. You might just want to walk up. There'll be someone standing there now. In fact, they're moving there right now. You might just say, would you pray for me? I'm in a wilderness time and I pray for you. Maybe you just want to have some space to see what God might say to you. I was with um, Megan Postlethwaite this week. She dropped in. She dropped in some bread, sourdough to bron. My non-upgraded wife. And I'm very happy for that too, boy. That's a... She said, yeah, I'm just doing this bread cooking thing because I've got kids and it's hard to know how do I do the Jesus thing. And so when I was conversing with him, she said, I just felt him say, what's in your hand? And she said, I make bread. So this is what I'm going to do this year. I'm going to just make bread and distribute it to people just as a gift to just encourage them. And just, I thought, what a wonderful, simple, profound way of actually moving towards building another kingdom. Just what's in your hand? Make it available to do his bidding. Let's have a listen and see what God might say to you.